Well, uh, as, we, as we do start Thanksgiving week, grateful for that. What a great way to kick off Thanksgiving week, right? Just being in the presence of the Lord, being with one another. Uh, I, I want to also say that it was in my heart last week, and I failed to do it, and I apologize that on Veterans Day weekend, I failed to acknowledge and say thank you in all of our services to all of those who have served and are serving our country, as, uh, as those in the military, particularly our veterans. And I want to do that, both here in Baker, also over in the sanctuary. Could I ask you, if you are uh, part of our military and have served in one of our branches of service, could I ask you to stand up? Because we want to say thank you to you. I know it's not Veterans Day, but that's all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Maria, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Karen, thank you, thank you. Yes, God is good. Thank you for, for doing that and for serving and for all that you've done to, we just sang about freedom, right? Well, we are a blessed people. And uh, I don't know if this mic is on yet. Can you, I think, yes? Okay, rock and roll. I, yeah, I got it now. John 21. I think we're good. Woo! John 21. Hard to believe that uh, we are in 37 weeks, uh, the 37th week of this year, wrapping up the gospel of John. Life in his name. Life in the name of Jesus. I have written these things, John said, so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. And we're wrapping up the book, chapter 21. I'm going to read it for you. Grab uh, your handheld, your, your Bible, and uh, follow along if you would, please. And uh, I'm also missing the... There it is! Slick, I'm telling you. Get it. Chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, a.k.a. Didymus, was his nickname, it meant the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John from Galilee, and two other disciples, probably also from Galilee, were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon told them. And they said, hey, we'll go with you. So they went out, all got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, got any fish? Nope, they called back. He said, throw your net on the other side, the right side, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. He had taken it off, fishing through the night, and jumped into the water. John then followed in, a, in the boat, towing the net, Full of fish, all, all the disciples, the other six, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards out. When they landed, there was a fire 
of burning coals with some fish on it and some bread, meal, breakfast. Jesus said to them, hey, bring some of the fish you just caught. We'll add that to the mix. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full, not just of fish, but big ones, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said, come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they, they knew it was the Lord, and yet, ah, they, something. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to him, did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised, was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus then said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Oh, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was a little hurt. He asked him this third time. But he said, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, Peter, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. By the way, tradition has it Peter in 64 AD under Nero was crucified. And reliable Roman and other historical documents state that he was crucified upside down, head first. Because he didn't feel himself worthy to die like Jesus. Jesus said this to indicate his crucifixion. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple, John, whom Jesus loved, following him. It was the same one, John, who had reclined against Jesus' side in the upper room. When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You, Peter, must follow me. Because of this, actually, the rumor spread in the first century among believers that John would not die. But Jesus didn't say he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to, re to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Well, this is the, the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that were, would be written of all that he did. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise be to God. So we see here in John 21 what has been called an epilogue. That means something that gets added on. There's a prologue. John's gospel has a prologue. First 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. The prologue of John is upper story, right? The Word came into the dark world. The dark world would not receive the light but rejected it. 
Yet whoever believes in him, to them he gives the right to become children of God. It's, it's the upper story in the prologue. And here at the end is also the upper story. I'll get to that in a minute. But it's, it's, it's added on here by John. No doubt about that in my heart. But it's added on kind of as as an epilogue. John really wraps up his gospel pretty effectively at the end of chapter 20 when he gives the purpose statement, right? These things are written, you know, so that you'll believe and have life in his name. And then we see this shift into not just the purpose of the gospel, but what John is giving us here in chapter 21 is the purpose of life. It's the purpose of life. Scripture is absolutely clear that the gospel will go forth into the whole world, every corner, every tribe, all people. In fact, in John 20, in the upper room, Jesus had said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The the, the clear uh, idea, concept, truth of Scripture is that this gospel is going to go into the whole world. Look at Revelation chapter 5. I have it on the screen, verses 9 and 10. They sang a new song. These are all of those that have been gathered around the throne in the last days. You are worthy, they said, to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain with your blood on the cross. You purchased for God people from every tribe, every language, and people, and nation. Let that sink in, all right? God is doing something very big. It's happening today. It's happening. We just prayed over 2,000 shoeboxes that are literally going who knows where into this dark world to reach 2,000 children with the gospel. We have a team that rolled back in late last night from Haiti, working with a village, a community there called Arcaye in Haiti, loving on 260 children that are in a school, in uniforms. One of the things that came about is this last week was they are now, uh, they have a feeding program. Every one of those children are now going to be fed every day. You guys, this is happening. People from every tribe, tongue, language, people, it is happening It's the upper story. It's big. And and I want to shift gears just real quick. I know this is a little obscure, but it's really not. Keep your marker there in John 20. Turn with me to Ezekiel 47 real quick. Say, I know, Ezekiel 47? Yes. Ezekiel 47. Last week I actually quoted Ezekiel 37, which is the prophecy of the nation of Israel. And it's, you maybe have heard of the prophecy of the dry bones in the valley of death. And the question was, can these bones live? Well, we then get in, in the latter part of Ezekiel, his prophecy. And just again, to give you context, Ezekiel was a prophet to the nation of Israel when they were prisoners of war in 570 B.C. They were hopeless as a people, all right? They had been hauled off, their whole village, community, Jerusalem, the temple, destroyed. They're held hostage as prisoners of war. Ezekiel is then speaking into them words of hope. And he talks about how a temple will be rebuilt and how a people of God will be regathered. God is saying to his, through Ezekiel to these people, this story is way bigger than you think. There's an upper story. And then he gets to chapter 47. And he paints this picture of a river. 
Let's look at it real quick. This river. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. I saw water trickling out from under the threshold of the temple, running down to the east. So just a trickle of water from the foundation of the temple. The water was coming down from under the side, south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, led me around to the outside of the outer gate. And the water now was trickling down as the men... As the man went eastward with a measuring line, you know, a yardstick, he then measured off a thousand cubits. He then led me through water that now was ankle deep. It's more than just a trickle. He measured off another thousand cubits. And then the water was knee deep, went another thousand cubits. Water was now up to the waist. You get the picture? There's water flowing out from the new temple, flowing down to the east, starts like a trickle, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. Measured off another thousand, but now the river was so wide, I couldn't cross it. Because the, the water had risen, was deep enough to swim in it. A river nobody, now nobody could cross. This river is now ginormous. It was uncrossable. He said, son of man, do you see this? You see this river? He led me back to the bank of the river. When I got there, there were all these trees now growing on each side of the river. He said, this water flows down to the eastern region, goes into the desert, it flows into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, right? Now the picture is what was coming out as a trickle is now going into that which was dead and it's making it alive and it's bringing forth life. It emptied into the sea. The salty water became fresh. Swarms of living creatures are living now where this river flows. There are, underline this, Large numbers of fish. Because this water is flowing there and making the salt water fresh. So that where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen standing along the shore from En Gedi to Englaim. There will be places for the spreading of nets. The fish will be so many like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. What a picture. It's this image of life. That new life is happening you need to understand this is the backdrop for John chapter 21. This is the message that God is giving these disciples. This message that, that we see in Matthew chapter 24. That this gospel of the kingdom. The good news that life is in Jesus and in his name will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. How big is this vision, right? How big is this vision? It's huge. And how in the world, here's John 21, how in the world are 11 average ordinary men, fishermen, most of them, going to make this happen? That's the question of John 21. How? How are these 11 ordinary men going to change the world, that's exactly why John added this epilogue. You see, the message here is, guys, I'm going to do a work far beyond anything you can imagine. If they could only imagine, if these 11 guys, 7 guys in this account, if these 7 guys could imagine 1,400 people gathered at King Street today, you all here, they really... <laughs> If they could imagine what was going to happen 
As 2,000, no, no, check that, 15 million shoeboxes are going to go into the dark villages of this whole world. That's exactly why this prologue, by the end of the first century, in fact, John can already see this happening. It's already starting to happen. John wrote this 60 years after the, re the resurrection and ascension. And in those 60 years, guess what? Thomas had already gone to India and planted the gospel and, and been martyred in India. Mark and other of the disciples had gone down into Egypt and Africa and the gospel was already beginning to spread in Africa. Paul had preached the gospel throughout what is now modern day Turkey. It was called Asia then. It was the east. And we know that in an entire region, every person had heard the gospel. The gospel had gone to Rome and had been preached in Rome. Peter had been crucified upside down 25 years before John wrote this. Paul had taken the gospel probably to Spain, which was the other end of the world. The gospel was going out. John could already see this happening. The river was ankle deep. The river was knee deep. And John is now giving us this epilogue to show us that this is happening. And what we see here is Jesus, two points. Jesus will provide as you do your part. That's part of the message. Jesus will provide as you do your part. And second of all, Jesus will guide you each step you take. He will provide and guide. That's what is being said here. Do you remember the day that Peter, Andrew, James, John were called to be disciples? It's back in Luke chapter 5. John doesn't get into it, but Luke tells the account. There they are, Peter... James, John, Andrew, fishing, Sea of Galilee, been out all night, haven't caught a thing. It's early morning, Jesus gets into their boat, he preaches a little bit. He then says to Peter, let's put out into the, into the open sea. Peter says what? Lord, we've been fishing all night, you ain't a fisherman. I mean, we, really? But since you said something, we'll do it. So they went out, they didn't really even know who Jesus was. And Jesus then says, throw your net down. What happened? Whew. Caught so many fish, it tipped the boat. They couldn't handle it all. And at that moment, Peter, in the boat, grabs Jesus' knees and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him this, hey, Peter, I'm going to tell you what. From now on, you're not going to be fishing for fish. What does he say? Come on. You're going to be fishing for people. You're going to fish for men. There's two things in this account of the calling of the disciples. For anyone really watching and listening in this moment, Jesus is making it, first of all, crystal clear that he is God, which Peter gets, and he worships him. Second of all, he's also making it clear that this is all about people. All about people. And here we are now, John 21. I'm bringing it full circle. Back to John 21. I've talked to you about the river. I've talked to you about the way that the kingdom is going to go to the very ends of the world. I've talked to you about the call of, of, of Peter and John and these guys and how it's going to be all about people and how there's going to be abundance and, and Jesus is God and he's in control. Here we are again. Same spot, Sea of Galilee. Same situation. Full circle. Jesus is reminding his guys and us right here that he's God. He's reminding us that he is God and it is still all about people.
It's all about people. People being brought in. Fish. The fish aren't really fish. The fish are people. John 21 is a recommissioning. And what he's saying is, guys, it's time to go to work. It's time to get to work. You've now been called, commissioned, filled. Let's get her done. Back to John 21. So, here he is by this sea. Same scenario as we've described. Friends, caught any fish? Nope. Throw your fish on the other side of the boat. Verse 6, 21. They were unable to haul because of the large number of fish. Two words that I want us to see in this in these first, the first half of John 21. The two words are nothing. Actually, 153 isn't a word, but let's make it a word. Hyphenated, 153. Nothing and 153. Nothing. See, what's happening here is Jesus is reminding them very visually, very really, that they, they apart from him, they can, he caught anything yet? Nope, nothing. Verse 3. And then they, they obeyed Jesus. They listened to his word. They threw the net onto the other side, the starboard side of the boat. And w- look down at verse 11. Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full, not just of fish, but large fish. 153 to be exact. Now, you can well imagine that for the last 2,000 years, 1,900 years, there's been a lot of speculation about 153. Why 150? There's one, I read a whole bunch of theories. One is that, well, at that time, in the Mediterranean, or no, no, in the Sea of Galilee, check that, there were 153 different species of fish. And 153 represented Ezekiel 47, right? The people of the whole world. Well, nah, You know why I think it says 153? Here you go. You ready for this? It's because there were 153. (laughs) And fishermen like to count fish. Straight up. That's why it's there. (laughs) It's because that's how many fish there were. And, And when you see that, when you see that, what I want you to see is the word abundance abundance. What Jesus is saying is, no, this is going to go from nothing, trickle, just a little trickle of the river. And by the time this thing is done, it is going to be so big. You are part of something that is quite literally changing the world. That's exactly what Jesus was saying to these guys that morning. It's exactly it. And it's what he's saying to us. You're part of, you are part of something that is quite literally changing the world. Today, this is happening. Jesus will provide as you do your part. Right here, right now, present tense. This is happening all over the building. It's happening in in, in our Kaye Haiti. It's happening through you and your neighborhood and your homes and your community. We're in the story. Second of all, Jesus will guide as you take each step. He will guide you as you take each step. And that's where we get very specific here in the back half of John 21, where Jesus now is speaking to Peter and John. 
He really hones in on these two guys, Peter and John, right? They take this walk, and first of all, we have Peter. As soon as, I love that in verse 7, that just, you know, John says, it's the Lord. As soon as Peter heard that it was Jesus, understood it was Jesus, what did he do? He jumped in the water. He couldn't get to Jesus fast enough. Why? Well, because what had happened really the last time they were, that Peter was by a charcoal fire and was in the courtyard. He was denying Jesus. Peter was so full of remorse and passion and shame and he just couldn't wait to be with Jesus. He desperately needed Jesus' forgiveness. Again, a fire of burning coals. This is no interesting coincidence that in the uh, courtyard of the Caiaphas, the high priest, Peter denied that he knew Jesus by a fire of burning coals, charcoal fire. Here they are again. Jesus makes, interestingly, a charcoal fire. And then he asks him three times, what? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? No doubt about Jesus is reinstating Peter. And what he's saying to him, hey, Peter, I'm going to remind you, it is all about people, right? How did it start? Peter, you're not going to fish for fish. You're going to fish for people. What does he say here after he reinstates Peter? He says, go feed my sheep. Now, here is where this whole thing gets turned out. See, it's easy to read this. I I was thinking about this. It is so easy to read this and think, well, that's great, Pastor Jody. You, you know, you've got a job to do. You've got to feed sheep and be a pastor and teach the word. No, 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 no. I mean, yes, 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 but, but, (laughs) come on, y'all. This is written to each one of us. All right, this is not just written to pastors. I got my gifts and my job and my role and my place and my issues and my stuff, and so do you. And we are all, every one of us, called to feed sheep. It is written not only to you, get this, but to the people you impact. This is multiplication. This is how this is going to happen You're going to reach people who are going to reach people who will reach people. And through this multiplication, it is going to reach the end of the earth. And and just right here at the tail end of John 21, just to make it clear, John needed to straighten something up here at the end of the first century before he died. Because there was this thinking in the first century, this rumor that had been spread. What was the rumor? Well, the rumor was John wasn't going to die until Jesus came back, or before Jesus came back. And John wants to set the record straight. That's another reason for this gospel and this epilogue, is to say, no, let me straighten this out. You know, I know the rumors out there that I'm not going to, yes, Jesus was clear Peter would be crucified. That's exactly what happened 25 years ago. We all know that. And yes, it said that I'm going to live into my old age. But then he said this, it died. Jesus, I'm going to tell you what, didn't say that, he would come back before I died. What did he say? What does it say there? It's one key word. It's the word if. So he didn't say that it wouldn't happen. Where is it? No, 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 no. He says, if, verse 22, if I want him to remain until I alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. 
What, we, what I just want to note there is John was very clear to say, no, 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 every word matters. We got to be precise with the word of God. So that's kind of a tail end of what John gives us. But here's the big idea. The gospel ends on go. The gospel ends on go. Peter, feed my sheep. Hey, James, John, Peter, Simon, all of you guys, listen. This is going to be so big. (laughs) The abundance, this is going to go from nothing, from a little trickle to literally more fish than you can even begin to count. And here's the message. Here's why John 21 was written. Do your part. It's all about people. You are in the story. I want to end with a quick story. There's a guy, a gentleman in our church. His name's Guy. And uh, Guy, um, until about four weeks ago, was up in the sound booth. Moreover, in the sanctuary, some here. He was up in the sound booth. Guy. Guy came to the Lord kind of late in life, really. I mean, he, he knew the Lord, but, and I'm talking past tense, because Guy's funeral is tomorrow. He got cancer of the esophagus, the throat, stomach, somewhere in there, and in a few short weeks was gone. I was with him at the hospital. We anointed him. Our elders went over to the hospital a few weeks ago to anoint him. And um, we were talking to Guy. And one of the things we do when we anoint people with oil, when the elders do this, talks about it in James 5. It says, you know, if your sins, if you sin, your sins will be forgiven. And we ask, is there anything you need to confess as we're doing this? Is there anything that you need to bring out? And here Guy is knowing he's really falling, fading fast. He said, nope. He said, I'm good with God. I'm ready to go home. But back to the story. He didn't know the Lord until later in life. Someone brought him to church. He met Jesus here at King Street. He was rolling along. Someone said, you know, guy, you need to be doing something for God. And he said, well, I kind of like tech. And so he jumped in. and, And for the last number of years, guy has been faithful up there hitting slides and doing tech stuff and working, serving Jesus. And then he talked about this story as we were anointing him. He then launched into this story to say, you know what? In fact, let me tell you, he said, I've got a friend of mine that a a couple of years ago, he said, I I shared my faith with him. This is a guy that was really far from God and, and he was so excited to tell those of us gathered there. He said, I shared my faith with this with this friend of mine. And he said, then let me tell you something else. He said, a, a little while, a few weeks, a couple months ago, he was, I was up turning slides and I got a text from this friend. He said, now I knew I couldn't take it right then. I had to finish what I was doing, you know, and get through the service. But after the service, I looked and my friend that I had led to Christ was texting me to tell me how excited he was that he was, he had shared his faith with a, he was at a, he was at a, uh, at, at a cemetery and he was there visiting someone that had passed and there was another person at the cemetery and he saw that person. He said, this is Guy's friend. He said, I saw that person and I felt compelled to go and, and minister to them and comfort them. And he said, I shared Christ with them at the cemetery. They received Christ. And this friend of Guy was telling Guy how excited he was that he had led someone to the Lord. You see that? This is is exactly what Jesus is saying here. That we are called 
to reach people who will reach people who will reach people. Then Jesus is saying, I will give you abundance. And as you follow me, I am in control of every step. Follow me. Follow me. You're in the story. Jesus, we come to you today and we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Lord Jesus, you are calling us to be in this story. Lord God, to feed sheep, to share our faith, to love the hurting, to care for the widow and the orphan. Lord God, to not keep this to ourselves. We, every one of us, Jesus, are called to share the good news that you are alive, that there's life in your name, that we have hope in you. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our living hope. We praise you and we worship you, Jesus. We give ourselves to you today. In your name, amen.